What's up, y'all, and welcome back to yet another Sabbath with the Book of Job podcast. I am your host, Joanna Jo Smith, and this is what I found in the Bible this week. I found the name game this week, y'all. When we finished up last week, I said that anything wielding L in its name comes from God in the Bible, who we know now is Elohim, translated from the Hebrew word, which means God's. And I said last week that I didn't know if that was because he is all God power in one or if it refers to the fact that male and female completed the image of him. We just know and understand that Elohim is the plural. Remember that? I also ended with the concept that everything L can arguably Um, be from Elohim and will have his DNA in it and wield that E-L of his name like the angels, Gabriel, Uriel, Mikael or Michael, our God El Shaddai and one of my favorites which is my family name Raphael, right? Now, I'm humble, y'all, but I'm also honest. So it is not lost on me that only God and El Shaddai has offered me a gift and an opportunity, and that is to share our relationship with you who humble me with your willingness to simply hear me out and help me carry his gift for me. And I'm grateful for that. And I'll tell you, one of my gifts is being able to provide alternative perspectives in righteousness as my ministry. In other words, I can help people see things God's way. And I do that when he allows me to do it. Okay. Um, So it means a lot to me. And I admitted last week that I have run from this call most of my life. And it came to a head when I was disobedient with my direct order two years ago to read the Bible chronologically. And so I feel like it's my duty to help people see a new perspective on things, but I didn't want the weight of it. So um, listen, (laughs) y'all, I just want to say that I'm grateful for you. And that this revelation that those with the Elohim DNA will often yield the E-L in his name, it really rooted me. You know, my last name before I was married um, is Raphael. And it means God who heals or God who has healed. And my first name is Joanna, uh, which in Hebrew means God is gracious. And now I'm Joe which in Hebrew, I've shortened Joanna, and it still means yes in Hebrew, which is my way of saying I surrender to God. That's why I have you guys call me Joe. So we're talking about names today. And when I say I'm Hebrew, that is what my name has done for me and knowing what my name means has done for me. And I'm proud of it in a way that it roots me to my creator. But glory to Yahweh, um, it has taken It has been taken to new levels because I lost my family name when I married my husband. Um, I was willing but hesitant to change my name because of the blessing that I knew was in Raphael. 
Um, it's a name I actually fought to give my son who originally had his father's last name of Moore. Now, listen, that's a whole nother slice of pie entirely. And I want to stay on topic. So I'm not going to go there today. But I do want you to know that Legend's name um, came because he is the story of my faith. Legend's name uh well, legend in general means a story that does not change over time and cannot be proven. So the day that I knew legend was a boy is the day that I knew Mungutu Sikie. And that's Swahili, which means God hears. And um, he, he, God, had honored the covenant that I had made with him by giving me my boy. Now, by the time legend was five, he'd begun to write my name my last name as his last name. And since his father and I never married and never were going to, I respected my my baby's desire to change his name. And he stayed with this for years. So last December, he actually changed his name officially to Raphael. And uh, he took his middle name as his first name, which dropped his father's first name. Um, and that's ironic in itself because his father's first name actually wields an L as well. So honestly, either way, my baby boy would have been identified as one of these L's in God's family. But now he's officially named in honor of my faith through and through. You know, he's legend, which is the story of my faith. Um, and he's a Raphael, which is my last name before marriage that I, I really, I really am honored to carry. Um, and he's 11 now. So anyway, I'm getting a little sidetracked. But if when I take this L concept to the people who mean the most to me, um, I find that there's a connection consistently. Like, for instance, my mother, she's Eliza. So Eliza. And she's named after my great grandmother, Eliza. And um I was mad at first. I'm going to tell y'all while I was doing all of these L understandings, I was like, oh, I wish my husband, you know, had an L in his name. And I said that to the Holy Spirit because my husband is such a major part of ministry that God has me doing. And um, he is no doubt a man of God and a man that God wants to use. But then the Holy Spirit laughed at me because um, my husband, yeah, he'd be laughing at me, y'all, because my husband he um is an identical twin and identical twins are just a miracle that it's a it's an anomaly nobody can really understand it's just a miracle in itself but his name is pern l right so his last name smith may not have the l but it's in his first name his name is pern l which is the same as my paternal god uh grandfather and his brother is burn l and so that kind of stuff matters to me. So I know that God needed me to know that. And he gave me um, an affinity for looking up names a long time ago. It's kind of a hobby that I have. When people tell me their names, I look it up to understand what they mean. And so he allowed me this understanding. I know by no um, you know, coincidence. And those called by Elohim have the L in their names. And that's why Jacob is changed to Israel. L to hold up his calling. Now, someone is saying, well, does your daughter have an L in her name? And the answer is no. My daughter Serenity is not a L-wielding name. Um, and that 
may have its own significance for her in time. In Hebrew, her name would translate to Shalva, uh, which is a byproduct of God's presence, which is peace. But plenty of the people um, in relationship with El Shaddai don't have Els from Elohim. So I want to suppress any coveting when I'm talking about that um, because we don't want to break a commandment. We don't want to com break commandment 10. Um, so don't say that you want an L, please. You don't even know what the weight of it could do to you and those you love. Just be obedient in your spirit and don't feel bad if your name doesn't have an L. Moses didn't have an L. Isaac didn't have an L. Abraham didn't have an L. Noah doesn't have an L. And they're still in covenant. Okay. So this is just something that I noticed. There's a commonality that has helped me understand what's in certain names that I want to explain to you all today. All right. So this is really just to help those who do have the L in their name and who are in covenant with Elohim to stop procrastinating on your direct orders from God. Right. The creator has plans for you and it requires your life energy to complete those things. And I want to just bless you right now. If you are wielding an L in your name, my my airy L's and L Elizabeth's and L I's, Eli's and my Elijah's, Elijah's, right? Ellie's, Ramel O's, Ron L's, Bell uh, Denzel, Joel, Dan Niel, uh, Elizabeth, um, Isabel, um, Miguel, Samuel, Ezekiel, right? And there are a lot of other L's out there. Those L's, you guys, you have assignments. You're enlisted for a purpose directly in line with Elohim's vision. So let's get to work on that. You know, go everyone in the sound of my voice. When you finish this study with me today, go y'all go research your names. See if it has any Hebrew associations and feel free to email me about it or call us at 3132 the BLS. Um, that stands for Black Love Smiths. And tell us what you found. There's so much in a name. Blessings, inheritance, purpose, intention, position, expectation, vision, and God. So I know some of y'all listened last week's podcast and um, wondered why we clarified Elohim from God and Yahweh from Lord and El Shaddai from Yahweh. We did that last week because one, I was told to, and two, because it's going to help define us and define our God amongst others. And three, because the Bible has four different Enochs and at least two Judases that I know of. And so the Bible goes through great lengths to clarify individuals by the meaning of their names. And we can assume they do that because it's important. So this week we ask, what's in a name? This is the book of Joe. My book. Let's go deep inside where the sea People stop reading the Bible. Let's open up the Exodus 28 to 11. All around the world. They don't understand it. Glory to God. There are so many promises in this book. We gotta get back to telling the truth. John 16, 33. I told you to sing so that you may have peace. Nah, I'm not a minister. <laughs> you can't hand down your faith. 
But people just need to see it from a different perspective. God really is good all the time. God says, if he loved me, keep my commandments. I first ask myself, who's speaking? Did you trick you? And then everything sounds different from there. But God does not lie. I'm Jill. And this is what I found in the Bible. Heavenly Father, El Shaddai, we thank you right now for another day of life, health, and strength. I thank you for this message for the people within the sound of my voice. I ask that you bless them. I ask that as I take them on a journey that opens up a new perspective on the Bible for them, that you be heard through me, that your will for their lives be heard through me, that they can understand what I'm trying to convey that you've given me for them, and that they're able to get out their Bibles and find some passion and some curiosity that may have gone dormant over the t- uh, o- over their, their lifespan, that they can find a reason to feel more confident again, though things have been changed and taken out of the word to kind of confuse them. I hope that they feel more confident knowing that the Holy Spirit will replace anything missing as long as they're committed to finding righteousness, as long as they're committed to finding the truth. I pray that you be with us now and stay with us for the duration of this podcast and that you have your way with this podcast during it, before it, and after. We love you. We exalt you. We give you the highest praise and we say hallelujah. Hallelujah. So what's in the name, y'all? Well, I mentioned some things in the opening that a name carries, but what is a name? Let's go to Merriam-Webster because it's going to help us out with that. And it says, a name is a word or a set of words by which a person, animal, place, or thing is known, addressed, or referred to. So a name is a word or words, right? Let's hold that as our first note. If y'all are taking notes, it's a good idea, okay? And so now we know that words have power, right? So the word or words we call ourselves will essentially mean what our life power can be defined as or defined by. So this means that a name can prophesy over us and set us on a path, right? Then on the flip, at the end of that path, all that it has led to can also be the meaning of that name as well. All right, so let me give you a non-biased example. Let's take the Greek demigod Hercules. Y'all know the story, right? The name Hercules actually means hero in their language. So this is prophetic over the path that Hercules would lead in his life. Because as a baby, I'm sure he wasn't very heroic. But the name he grew into And now it defines what a hero is. Because when we ask if you know about Hercules, you may not know that his name actually means hero. But the story of his life describes exactly what a hero is. And therefore, it gives his name significance or power, right? So a name is a word. And John says in the beginning, there was the word. If we sub it out, it could also say in the beginning, there was the name and the name was with God or Elohim and the name was God or Elohim. Yes. And when we say, when we say that, um, you would ask, well, who is Elohim? And the answer would be all that he is 
has ever been and ever will be, right? And that is a lot. So if you love him, you know from your perspective alone that that's a lot. And therefore, as powerful as all that you know of him is, if you multiply that by all those who have a personal relationship with him as well, well then, to define him, his name would be based on that. All of that. And we wield all of those truths when we slap the enemy with this one word that is defined by its works and it's the name of our God that is so powerful, right? I hope y'all understand what I'm saying, right? Now, if you were here last week, you know that I've been challenged to see if the New Testament is a God-inspired work or if it's the written work of Flavius Josephus, uh, aka Arius Calpurnius Piso. And so we're on a journey right now to have the real Messiah please stand up and to know our God um, and his word for ourselves. So I can't really use John just yet because of this challenge, but I got to stay. So I got to stay in the Old Testament, which is common ground between all believers of Elohim and I got to take out the italics when I read it because y'all know God didn't say all that right we understand that the italics were added to help us understand by the scribes who were uh, tasked with translating translating this holy work so I take them back out because I want to be as true to what was there as possible and see what the Holy Spirit tells me about the book right And in the Old Testament, we got to understand the name game, which I started off with, or we will have those feelings that many of you have um, about the Bible seeming to contradict itself. And so I'm going to help you understand what I'm talking about, because I mentioned that there are four Enochs in our Bible. And I read to you um, Genesis 2-4, which says, this is all last week I read, it says, these the generations of heavens and of the earth when they were created in the day that Yahweh, a.k.a. El Shaddai, and Elohim made the earth and the heavens. So y'all, we learned that God, the Supreme Holy Spirit's name is Elohim. We learned that YHWH, we pronounce as Yahweh, is actually El Shaddai. And you can see that in Genesis 17 1 and you can see that in Genesis 35 11 all right we haven't gotten there yet chronologically but you should know that the God that interacts with his people and makes his covenant with with them to prosper them is the one who Jacob Isaac and Abraham love so dearly and he introduces himself in those verses that I just named as the almighty which in Hebrew is El Shaddai all right So we're good with that. And secondly, but really quickly, we need to know that the Greek translated that name El Shaddai to Lord, which is capitalized in our Bible and Almighty in our Bible as well. All right. So we also know that Elohim is able to make light from his voice. So y'all can listen to the podcast I did about the seventh day Sabbath called The Table is Set to understand more about that three-dimensional speech of the creator. When Elohim says anything, it just is. He said, let there be light and there was light. 
he said, let's make man and there was man. The power of Elohim is in sound. Okay, so that's why we wield our faith and the power of it through our praise. That's why the Jericho walls came down. That's sound power that the Hebrews are able to have. All right. So I go through this in detail like this so we can understand the power in what we say and what we call upon ourselves. And therefore, what we call ourselves is a weapon or a blessing, depending on what we say. All right. So now we're to today and we get back to Genesis chapter two, verse four. And first, let us understand something else. When the Bible says these, the generations of there's a lineage definition coming up. And this usually is a list that has a bunch of begats, begats, begats in it that a lot of people skip over when they read the Bible. And I just want to encourage you to be a little more patient with that lineage of names when you get to these moments from now on. Why? Because names have power of their life in them. And as I told you last week, everything God creates, the evil one has a counterfeit for. So I'm going to explain to you guys why those lineage names really mean something during this, this study. Just stick with me and we'll get there, okay? So while Genesis chapter 2 verse 4 is the first time we see the phrase, these are the generations of, it certainly won't be the last in this holy book. And I'm here to help you understand your holy book, your holy Bible. So let's um, look at it. At the next time we see this phrase chronologically in the Bible, we see it in Genesis chapter five, verse one. And it says this, the book of generations of Adam. So, okay. Chapter five is the book of Adam's family. Notice how it then lists the lineage that came from Adam, starting with Seth. Okay. Y'all got that? Good. Now, when the Bible clarifies the lineage, it is so we follow the bloodline and its prophecy of inheritance through the covenants El Shaddai made with his people. All right. This is not the first lineage breakdown, though. Nope, it's not. Adam and Eve had Cain and Abe El. Remember that El, all right, has the God purpose in it. All right. So Cain killed Abel, Abel who might have been his twin, by the way. You know what? Let's follow that thought just for a second. Let's go on over there. If you read or read last week, Genesis chapter one through chapter 11, you know that chapter four, verse one says, and Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord who we know is El Shaddai. This was the verse that I was missing last, last time y'all last week. All right. And then it goes to verse two and it says, and she again bare his brother, Abel. Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. So a few things happen here. One, to my point that I was trying to make, you can see Eve conceived one time and bore twice. All right. So it may be that these two were actually twins, and that would be consistent with Jacob and Esau, who else Shaddai uses in this uh, word as well to build his nation, Israel, from. All right, so just pencil it. We'll come back to it soon. All right. Then the second thing I saw is that we have our first shepherd, who's Abel, and we have our first farmer, who is Cain. Notice the but that separates these two um, in their occupations. All right, it says Abel was a shepherd 
but Cain was a tiller, a tiller. This is the first understanding we have that the shepherd is a chosen position and all that comes with the name shepherd now gives it its value today, right? So we correlate a shepherd with the attentive love of a savior. It is the mindset of the shepherd that El Shaddai has chosen to make an example out of from the very beginning. That's what we notice second, all right? Then third, we make another subtle note and we can notice how Abel is Cain's brother, but Cain is not Abel's brother in the wording. It says, again, she bore his brother, Abel. This is symbolic that Abel loved Cain and was a gift to Cain. And that's very important. I'll explain why later. But Abel had no jealousy or envy toward Cain. All right. So this is a toll. We also need, uh, I mean, a tool, not a toll. This is a tool that we also need when reading the Bible. We need to remember that any true statement is both what is true and the validation of its opposite also being true as an opposite. What I mean by that is, if Abel is Cain's brother, then Cain must not be Abel's brother, meaning Cain would not be able to do what Abel does to him, all right? Even though Cain was the older brother. And I say that because this is also a foreshadowing of Jacob and Esau, where the younger brother would have favor over the elder brother, who is basically a bully, all right? This is a staple Bible plot or a Bible staple plot, all right? Bible staple plots are plots that are used over and over. And this one here is to the one that he, uh, the Bible uses over and over to encourage the smaller, the last, the little, to know that they can be the largest, the first, and the greatest with God. All right. So this dynamic is actually symbolic of Satan and El Shaddai's relationship. And I hinted to that last week in my podcast, but I'll explain that right um, before we go today. Um, But just note this, note that because we all have people in our lives that we are a blessing to, but they are a threat to our safety and our well-being. Right. I know y'all know that have some frenemies in your life. Right. You're good to them but they don't do any good to you, all right? Okay, so now that we understand Cain and Abel and their dynamic, let's understand that Cain's lineage is broken down in Genesis 4, 17 through 24, and that's before we read about Adam's lineage, all right? We see one of the first of the four, we see one of the four biblical um, Enoch's in Cain's line first, all right? So if we go right before Genesis 4, 17, um, we'll read before we get into that lineup that it says, Cain went out of the presence of El Shaddai and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. All right. So it says, so it is there that he settles down and begins his murderous bloodline. All right, because Cain is a murderer. So note that Nod, where Cain went, is a place where a jealous murderer can settle down. It is also east of Eden, out of the presence of El Shaddai, just like where the flaming sword of Genesis 3.24 was placed to keep Adam and Eve out. So everything east of Eden 
seems to be problematic. You can note that too, okay? For now, let's think of it as as the place for trash, all right? Because Cain was straight trash for the way he did Abel, right? Just trash. And Eve and Adam straight crumpled up the whole paradise inheritance for us and tossed it out over there like trash too, okay? So everything east of Eden is trash, all right? So now, check out Genesis 4, 17 through 24. It reads, And Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bare Enoch. My Bible has a colon mark there to let me know that what comes next in this verse is to explain what came before the colon. Yes? All right, I'm trying to help us understand our word. So what does our Bible mean when it says Cain and his Nodian wife or Nodian wife bear Enoch? Let's continue. It means he, Cain, builded a city and called the name of the city after the name of his son, Enoch. All right. So right here we have Cain trying to make a little namesake. Note that because it's going to come back up. All right. If y'all are taking notes, it's a great idea. That way you don't get lost. All right. And then it says, and unto Enoch was born Irad. Got another colon. And Irad begat Mahujael. All right. And Mahujael begat Methuselah. And Methuselah begat Lamech. Now make sure y'all peep the L's that I emphasize in Cain's lineage because Cain was a murderer and Cain is in the east of Eden with some woman who is from a place where a jealous murderer feels safe enough to settle down and start a family. And Cain is out of the presence of El Shaddai. So just hold that a second because we're getting ready to translate something else to look for in names. And that is the ball and the sound of ball, all right? I talked to y'all a little bit about ball last week. So we keep reading and I'm gonna help y'all understand this book with me. You understand? All right, here we go. So if we keep reading for chapter 4, 19 in Genesis, it says, Lamech and Lamech unto him, oh, sorry. And Lamech took unto him two wives, the name of one Ada, and the, uh, the name of the other, Zila, And Ada bare Jabal. He was the father of such as dwell in the tents and cattle. And his brother's name, Jubal. He was the father of such, he was the father of all such as handled the harp and organ. I thought of the word Jubali when I read that, right? And Zila. She also bare Tubal Cain, an instructor of every artificer in brass and iron. So artificers are the artisans. And in this case, they're the metallurgy, the smiths in this case that uh, work with brass and iron who make the artillery or weaponry, right? And we know that the Greeks made their weapons of and iron and copper mix. That's brass. Make notes of that. That will come up in the Bible later. I already know from my earlier studies. All right. The Romans used iron to create steel weapons. All right. So this is a foreshadow here 
of how they learned to do so, okay? Zila's son from Cain was an instructor. He taught them, all right? Let's keep that in mind. It'll all make sense in a minute. And the sister of Tubal Cain was Nama, it says, all right? Now, if you look up that name, you'll see she is the mother of demons in the Bible. And now y'all get a better depiction of what Cain was really making when he created children with this woman from Nod where a murderer would feel safe. This is the bloodline, the evil bloodline, a bloodline beginning with a counterfeit Enoch and ending with another murderer named Lamech. Because if you keep reading in verse 23, it says, and Lamech said unto his wives, Ada and Zila, Hear my voice, ye wives, y'all wives, of Lamech. Hearken to my speech, for I have slain a man to my wounding, which means for wounding me, and a young man to my hurt, which means for hurting me. If Cain shall be avenged sevenfold, truly Lamech seventy and sevenfold. All right. Now, this is why we had to clarify that our God does not speak in third person last week. Right. Unless he is speaking through someone or something. All right. Because that is what helps us understand Lamech here while he's speaking is possessed by a spirit of a murderer. This is why the voice is demanding to be heard and also why Lamech speaks in third person twice with the ye wives of Lamech. And he also says truly Lamech, 70 and sevenfold, all right? So when something is speaking through a thing, that is the time that the third person pops up, all right? And we need to be mindful of that, especially in spiritual warfare, all right? So this lineage is only brought up um, so that, oh, my stomach's growling. <laughs> I gotta get something to eat. I don't know if y'all heard that through the mic, but oh my goodness, I'll get it in a minute. So this lineage is only brought up so that we don't get confused because we also have a God-based lineage being compared to it right after. A lineage that also stems from Adam and Eve, but is meant to replace Abel's line. All right. And that's the line of Seth because the very next verse after Lamech says this or the spirit in Lamech speaks, we go to... um. We go to chapter four, verse 25. So that was verse uh, 17 through 24. Now let's read Genesis chapter four, verse 25. And it says, and Adam knew his wife again. All right. Notice the one wife that Adam has to Cain taking two wives. I want you to also notice that Noah was considered perfect with his one wife also. All right. We didn't get there yet, but I just want y'all to know that that is what is righteous to Elohim, okay? And Adam, and then let's continue. It says, and Adam knew his wife again, and she bare a son and called his name Seth, meaning appointed or placed. For Elohim hath appointed me another seed instead of Abel, who Cain slew, she said. So we understand that Seth will now carry out his deceased older brother's legacy and his children will have 
Elohim on their side, which is not so for the children of his older brother, Cain. And I'm making these clarifications because of what I said about Satan and Yahweh or El Shaddai. It'll make sense in the end, I promise you guys, but I want y'all to see how Seth is still the baby brother receiving favor over the elder brother, as was intended with Cain and Abel originally, and is also intended with Jacob and Esau. Okay, so now chapter five begins like I said earlier. This is the book of generations from Adam, of Adam. In the day that Elohim created man, in the likeness of Elohim, made he him. Male and female created he them and blessed them and called their name Adam in the day when they were created. So this is why when you marry, you become one with the husband, sister queens. God sees you both as his image, his family that he built through your hubby, through the man. Which is also why when in commandment, when the commandment to abstain from the fruit was broken, God didn't ask for Eve. He went straight to Adam, who is her covering. If we want to be upright with Elohim and El Shaddai, we are going to have to yield to that covering while understanding that our man could not come into the presence of God without us completing his image. All right. And going with him. That is the help meet portion of the Bible in Genesis 2:18. Meet means to come into the presence of fully, right? That's our job to help Adam come into the presence of God as God fully intended for him, okay? So we'll get into that another day, but right now we're talking about names and we're talking about lineage today. So let's read some more. Genesis 5, 6 through 29. Now, I know y'all read Genesis chapters 1 through 11 uh, last week, so um, I won't read this portion. If you didn't read it, no worries. I'm here to help you. Um, so when you're able to, you can read it then. All right. So six to 29 has some begats in them. And this is a blessed lineage from Adam in place of Abel. And it goes like this. And remember, this is separate from Cain. No matter what you hear, this line is separate. And I'm not going to read it. I'm just going to summarize it. All right. So Adam had Seth. You can write this down if you want. But Adam had Seth. Seth had Enos. Enos had Canaan. Sounds like Cain, but it's not him. All right. So we should note that. Canaan had Mahalel, Mahalel, Mahalalel, Mahalalel had Jared. Jared had our Enoch that we might have heard about, right? So this is not Cain's child. This is from the line of Seth. This is the first issue of counterfeits, all right? Because Cain's Enoch is older than Seth's Enoch. He is considered the authentic Enoch of this world and the land of Nod. But the elders of this world are going to get dethroned by their youngers according to the way of God as I mentioned earlier. So the Enoch of Cain's line, though older, did not receive God's favor like the Enoch of Seth's line. The Enoch of Seth's line, it says, lived 
the same number of years as days we have in the calendar. In Genesis 5, 23 and 24, it says, And all the days of Enoch were 365 years, and Enoch walked with Elohim. And he was not, for Elohim took him. Meaning, the only reason that he was no more is because he was taken by Elohim. Our Enoch never saw death, okay? So when we see this, we see why we had to know Cain's line first. We couldn't just talk about the line in the covenant with Elohim because we may be confused and possibly say that the Bible contradicts itself, right? I know y'all have heard that before, but there is no double-mindedness in Elohim. He is. What he says is. He's a three-dimensional speaking God, all right? So this is why we read the, uh, this is why we read the Old Testament to learn his ways, to learn his patterns and draw his connections that when we read the New Testament, we'll be able to say what is truly of him and what's not. All right. So, okay, let's pause and see what tools we have so far in our hands. One, God does not do third person speech. All right. Unless he's moving through someone or something. All right. And two. We know that a lineage based or blessed by God or one that he would like us to pay attention to will be announced with these are the generations of or something very close to that effect. All right. So we take note that Cain's lineage was not announced like this. Why? Well, what's in the names? That's what this is about. So let's translate. When we translate the lineage of Cain, we get a line from Enoch, and it goes Enoch, Irad, Mahujael, Methusael, and Methusael, Lamech with Ada and Zila, Jabal with Jubal, and Tubal Cain, who is the brother of Nama. What we just said, if we translate it as I've said it, is in Hebrew, Spearer dedicated heap of empire who proclaims God and who demands death made low an ornament at, and shadow which glides away with the ram and acquires confusion who is the brother of the mother of demons. That's what you get when you translate the names in the line of the lineage of Cain's names in order. All right. Now, what do we get when we translate Seth's line? We get the appointed purchaser or possessor, shining one of Elohim. He descends, dedicated man of the dark, made low to rest, which shall comfort us concerning our work and toil of our hands because of the ground which El Shaddai cursed. Rest, that's what the line ends with. Noah. That's what his name means. So this is the illusion of the seventh day Sabbath rest and the rainbow flood blessing when Hebrews inherit, which Hebrews inherit through Noah, the son of Seth's Lamech, who is the son of Seth's Mahus, uh, Methuselah, who is the son of Seth's Enoch. All right. The rest is the consolation for Adam's sin and the curse that was put on us from it. All right? So you see, names are words, and words become phrases. 
and phrases become praises and praises contain promises and promises contain the power of your God, whichever God you choose. Now, notice how Cain and Seth have similar offspring names. Each one of Seth's line is younger than that of Cain's. So again, the last shall be the first is a Bible staple. And we see the namesake being described here, which is also a Bible staple. That matters. Understanding what it means to be a namesake or to take the name of something, something is another Bible staple. Make sure we write that down when the Bible staples come up while we're reading because we want to understand our word and we want to understand our God. All right. So what I am backdropping in this study is the very reason behind commandment three. We didn't get there chronologically yet, but let's jump into it. Exodus chapter 20, verse seven. It says, thou shalt not take the name of El Shaddai, Y-H-W-H, Yahweh, in vain. For El Shaddai will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Who's speaking, y'all? It's important because I told y'all only the possessed or the vessels of God speak in third person. So this cannot be El Shaddai speaking because he used his own name instead of the word my when talking about his name. So let's back up. Genesis 20 verse 1. It says, and God spake all these words saying, stop. Who is God, y'all? If you said Elohim, you get a sticker. You're learning, all right? So Elohim spake all these words saying, and then the commandments are delivered after that intro. Now, who delivers the commandments? Let's jump back to the verse before this chapter. Verse, uh, chapter 19, verse 25. It says, so Moses went down unto the people and spake unto them. All right. So Moses was used by both Elohim and El Shaddai. All right. So now what is in the name that we don't take in vain? The El, the spirit of Elohim. As promised, I told you we were going to come back to Cain's descendants, but I want to just make sure y'all got that. What happened in the Ten Commandments just now when we spoke about it? is that Moses is speaking, delivering the commandments, all right? And El Shaddai is speaking through Moses. And Elohim is speaking through El Shaddai, all right? Y'all got that? Okay, cool. So now let's go back to to Cain's descendants now, knowing that if the, the commandment three is Elohim telling us, not to take El Shaddai's name in vain, then Elohim is in agreement with El Shaddai. All right. So we pick the winning team when we pick El Shaddai. Now, Elohim wants us to respect El Shaddai. And as uh, they created the earth and us, they are still working together in our interest, in partnership. So El Shaddai is quite possibly the son with whom Elohim is well pleased. Therefore, we get these commandments um, and they are Elohim's commandments, but he administers them to us for El Shaddai as the God we are to know intimately. Hence the word Lord thy God, the phrase Lord thy God, I mean. So Lord thy God translates now after we've done our translations to El Shaddai, your Elohim. 
which is Elohim telling us, this is El Shaddai, love him as he loves me. And to love him is to love me, right? All right, so a light just went off for someone. I want you guys to stay with me, okay? These commandments of Elohim are the crowning of El Shaddai as God over us. But if you should not take his name in vain, as the commandment says, and commandments can be broken, then it means that the wicked will, and they do, take his name in vain. Cain gave birth to Enoch, who had Irad, which means wild ass or heap of empire. How does an empire become a heap, y'all? Nothing good there. But understand, Nod is a place where murderers feel safe. And it's east of Eden where the human was created. So as far as we can infer, it's an extraterrestrial land. Cain had a baby with something off the face of the earth, as Cain says in Genesis 4, 14. So where is Cain? Not on earth. Okay. So when Cain has his Enoch, whose line is challenged by Elohim's favored Enoch, which means dedicated, we see why God wasn't with Cain's choices. Cain done went off and married some foreign Nadian entity and gave birth to a thing that turns empires to heaps and conducts itself like a wild ass, or maybe it even looks like a wild ass, and that births half-breed entities like Mahujael and Methuselah, not to be confused with God's favored Methuselah, the son of our Enoch. Now, these are other world beings who wield the L in vain. They're commandment breakers. These are the opposition or the ops, as we can call them sometimes. These are the byproducts of the sons of God or the sons of Elohim that went into the daughters of man, as it says in Genesis chapter 6, verse 2. Cain married an entity and bore Nephilim from her. And the Nephilim we can find in the book of Enoch. But anyway, the Nephilim are the demigods who have some part of man or beast and the other part of God in them. From those sons of Elohim who took his name in vain and did this act. All right. So that's why you have evil ones like Azazel being bound hand and foot by the archangel Raphael, according to Elohim's command in the book written by our Enoch that has been removed from the Bible. See, see how I'm going to help us get all that Elohim and El Shaddai have for us, they're going to get all his glory, their glory. Regardless, even if there were things taken out of the Bible, the Holy Spirit will lead you. It will lead you to them, that the things that were lost, and you will not fall victim to the enemy attacks. All right. So Enoch is not in the Bible, but the Bible mentions that the sons of God went into the women. Um, and Enoch writes about this. And so when you type that in, you end up going there anyway, when you're doing your research with the Holy Spirit. All right. Now, let me address something. Stay with me. Some of y'all are freaked out by the names of these demons. And I want to remind you that war is ugly, but you have the opportunity to choose the winning side. You have the victory and dominion if you simply follow the recipe so God can see you 
and protect you. Because when you break commandments like Adam in the garden and Cain, you are removed from the presence of El Shaddai, who is sent wielding the almighty power of Elohim to fight for you. That is the purpose of the question, Adam, where are you in Genesis chapter three, verse nine? All right. El Shaddai could not see Adam in his sin. All right. So now, you know, some of the fallen angels have taken the name of Elohim in vain. Some have El in their name, but they are not in the covenant line. Okay. They are the counterfeit attempting to, to be created first so that we'd be confused and think that they are the originals. But the way of our God is to lift the younger above the elder. Okay. So now that we have finally come to my comment about why Satan and El Shaddai are speaking so much in Genesis and why El Shaddai lets Satan hurt Job, I want to explain to y'all something. I have a theory. And my theory is that El Shaddai is the younger offspring of Elohim in direct line with the blessings of his covenant. And El Shaddai was there in the beginning with Elohim because when the sons of God fell with Satan, God decided to empower a new seed like Eve called Seth. All right. So basically the story is mimicking what happened in heaven. All right. So now turn with me to Job chapter one, verse six through eight. And it reads with our newfound tools. Now there was a day. When the sons of God, fallen angels of Elohim, came to present themselves before El Shaddai and Satan came along or came also among them, also as a fallen angel, y'all, but just not one that went to the daughters of men to create Nephilim, okay? And El Shaddai said unto Satan, whence cometh thou? Where you coming from? That's what he said. Then Satan answered El Shaddai and said, from going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. Do y'all see that cross imagery? That's why I don't wear crosses on my neck. Satan goes to and fro, y'all. Move your hands with me, left to right. And he walks up and down in this word. I mean, in this world that the word says, right? So what shape does that make in this world? That's the shape used to kill so many. And we haven't proved the New Testament just yet, but remember this for when we get there, all right? I'm almost there, y'all. Thank y'all for staying with me this long. Now we go to verse eight and it says, El Shaddai said unto Satan, hast thou considered my servant Job that none like him in the earth? a perfect and upright man, one that feareth Elohim and eschewed evil. Stop. When I was reading this, I saw my husband and his twin brother. The Holy Spirit revealed it to me just like that. Not that my brother in love or my husband is wicked in any way. No, the Holy Spirit wanted me to see that Satan and El Shaddai were respectful rivals of each other. My husband and his brother are the most competitive with each other. And yet, they are also the most in love with each other as two grown men of God can find righteously possible. And after I saw this, I jumped up and I ran to my husband and I said, they're brothers. Satan and El Shaddai are brothers. El Shaddai is the younger brother who has the favor of Elohim and Satan is the elder jealous brother. 
He's the coveter. Just like Cain was and just like Esau, right? Then my theater background jumped in and I told my husband, every author writes himself into the work. El Shaddai and Elohim have done the same. What should be the lesser and weaker is now the all-powerful and almighty with the blessing of their source. Our God is El Shaddai, the younger of the sons of God, who Satan is among, as the scripture says. And Satan hates El Shaddai, but like Abel, the El Shaddai is who he is because he is good to Satan despite Satan's hate for him. And we know there's a thin line between hate and love. You almost have to love something so much to hate it, right? As sometimes brothers do. This is why El Shaddai allows Satan to torment Job. And I never understood it. I remember asking myself over and over, why does God let Job suffer like this? And some of you gave up on God because you don't understand your suffering. However, Job knew something that we all need to know. We are the hope of El Shaddai and we are being reared for battle when Satan seeks to destroy us. Our training is rigorous. That's why Job says in chapter 21, verse 19 of Job, he says, and I know we didn't get there yet, but we need it. So we're going to jump there. He says, God layeth up his iniquity for his children. Read verse 9 through 11 of Job with me, and you'll see that these are two brothers beefing, all right? It says, then Satan answered El Shaddai and said, doth Job fear Elohim for naught? Does Job respect God for no reason, he's saying? Like, did he choose Elohim on his own? This is Satan implying that El Shaddai is cheating. He's, He's winning the favor of God by giving his servants no choice but to love Elohim. But it also shows that Satan respects Elohim too, and that the favor of Elohim, they both agree, is a compliment to Job. Okay? So we find two things that Satan and El Shaddai agree on in this, which is Elohim is good and powerful, right? El Shaddai loves the goodness, Satan loves the power. All right? So Satan continues. Hast thou that made a hedge upon him, about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands and his substance is increased in the land. He's saying you've blessed everything he does and you've made him rich with your constant blessing. All right. Then he dares him. He says, but put forth thine hand now and touch all that Job hath, he hath. And he will curse thee to thy face. That's what he believes, right? Now, I tell y'all all all the time, God is not soft. Nor would he appreciate his brother saying that his children are soft. So Satan ain't finna punk El Shaddai. And El Shaddai believes in us. He believes in his servants. He knows us. He gave us life. But how do we prove him right? How do we shut Satan up? Well, we endure the attacks without blasphemy. So verse 12 says, and El Shaddai said unto Satan, behold, see for yourself, all that Job, all that he hath in thy power, only upon himself put not forth thy hand. 
So y'all see why the Bible now is full of brothers. El Shaddai wanted you to understand the dynamic. We got Moses and Aaron. We got Simon and Andrew. We got Joseph and all of them brothers. We got Jacob and Esau. We got all of them brothers. All right. Bunch of brothers. The author always writes himself into the work. El Shaddai needs Satan to understand something real quick. Why? Because El Shaddai, like Abe El, is Satan's brother. But Satan is no brother to El Shaddai. El Shaddai is also good all the time. Okay? So Satan cannot wait to attack Job and strip Elohim of hope, which is why or what we represent in this system. We are the hope of Elohim. But Job, who is perfect in El Shaddai's sight, he holds like a tank. My man. Yay, Job, right? So that's El Shaddai 1, Satan 0. Let's take it to chapter 2 of Job. I'm almost finished, I promise. All right? Round 2, fight. Same arena. Satan comes again with the sons of God, and it's a repeat up until verse 3. And El Shaddai said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth Elohim and eschewed evil? This is the new part. And still he holdeth fast his integrity, although thou movest me against him to destroy him without cause. Did y'all catch that? This is why I know Satan is the older brother. Because El Shaddai respects him, even though Satan doesn't like him. El Shaddai loves him anyway. He allowed Satan to use his power against his servant because he wants to redeem Satan in the eyes of Elohim. Listen to me. El Shaddai is the redeemer. It, you're, we're going to read that again in Isaiah. We didn't get there, but he is the redeemer. It is he. It is who he is. So it's what he does. And we are grateful he is not like us. That he should quit on those who hurt him or hate him like we do. Because the way that we be hurting El Shaddai, we can't afford his absence. But back to this. How do I know Satan is the son of Elohim? Meaning the product of him. Well, because chapter 1, verse 16, it says, While one servant is still speaking to Job about the loss of his asses and his oxen, someone else came to say, the fire of Elohim is fallen from heaven and hath burnt up the sheep and the servants and com the servants and consumed them. Who has the ability to wield the fire of Elohim in this scene? Only El Shaddai. And El Shaddai gave that power to Satan, who then used it on Job. That's why he says, Satan movest me against Job. It is written this way only to prove why Satan is not a chosen vessel of Elohim. The part y'all got to catch is that Satan didn't have to ask Elosh, I mean El Shaddai how to use the fire of Elohim. He knows exactly how it works. He did exactly what he would do or what he would have done if he had become almighty instead of Yahweh. He would have burned up some innocent people and animals, just like he did to Job. So that is why Elohim chose Yahweh over him. And also because Yahweh is a redeemer. It is what Elohim seeks for the evil and the wicked. 
He seeks a correction of their ways that cannot be undone. That is what this is all about. That is what this whole existence is all about, y'all. So that being said, we go to the book of Job and read it entirely. Y'all know enough. Not now. I'm not going to do it now. I'm just saying y'all can go to that after y'all leave this. After y'all finish y'all Genesis 1 through 11, you can go to the book of Job. And you know enough to help that book really jump out at you now and come to life more for you now. If God wills me to speak on on it or to speak to you about it, I'll be back with that information next. If not, I'll come back with whatever he wills. But this is the next assignment in our chronological study of the Old Testament. We go to Job. So pay attention to the names, y'all, because there's so much in them. And I'm here for questions and comments if you have them um, throughout the week. I'm grateful to be able to share with you. And I love y'all, but God loves you more. I'm Joe, and this is what I found in the Bible this week. Thank you for listening. Hallelujah. And the Most High bless you along your way. I'm out. Glory to God. The Book of Joe is but a portion of a family ministry called the Black Love Smiths. To follow the Black Love Smiths, you can do so at Black Love Smiths on Instagram or Facebook. To get into contact with Joe, please email bookofjoe at gmail.com. God bless you.